And we're in this series, Jesus Creed. And um, we are kind of like towards, like right in the middle of the Jesus Creed now. There's still plenty to go over and talk about as we, as we think about what this means to take this to heart and to say, all right, this is important to Jesus, clearly. So I want it to be important in my life. Um, and we've been doing this. Uh, we've been challenging you each week to memorize it. And we've, last week, if you remember, we quizzed you. So guess what we're doing again? We're gonna quiz you. So here it is. We're gonna do, we're gonna throw up the Jesus Creed with blanks. And your job, we're gonna recite it together, is to, is to, to memorize this and to the point where you're, you're like, I don't even need it on the screen. I just got it. So each week we kind of take more and more words out and then, you know, we'll just kind of recite it together. So if you're ready, here we go all out loud together. Here, oh. Here we go. Push through it. Push through it. Are we still going? All right, so you have the first commandment down. You nailed it. Good job. Good job, everyone. And uh, I heard a little bit of an echo, so like this half was a little bit ahead of this half, so smart on you, right? You had like a half second to hear what they were going to say. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and we're going to keep practicing, right, because this is that important. So the second half, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know what you said. <laughs> I think you got it right, and then, but, I, but by the time you should have been done, we kept going. <laughs> like, I don't, so, um, uh, awesome. Uh, the Jesus Creed is, for Jesus, it is, it is extremely important. Well, here's what we've been talking about, that the Jesus Creed has a vertical focus, has a focus on love the Lord your God, and then a horizontal focus of love your neighbor as yourself. And for Jesus, both are essential. And, and, he, and if you summarize all of the law, he says it requires both. There's not just a love God, there's a love God and a love others. And it's not just a love others. It isn't just like be a good humanitarian. It's love God and love others. And, and, and this, this is that important. So if you remember though, uh, this, the uh, Mark passage we've been reading, it, it takes place at the end of Jesus's ministry. It's the last week of his life and he's in Jerusalem and he's teaching and he's encountering the Pharisees and, and, and like all the stuff that happens that final week. This takes part during that. Now, there's another experience, another like Luke's, Luke's gospel has another encounter with the Jesus creed, but it's not the same one. And, and, and if, and if, we're, if you're not careful, you can easily think, oh, this is the same event that is being described, but the details are different. And, and to the kind of the unassuming eye, when you read this in Luke, you would say, oh, this is the same passage, but wait a minute. The roles are reversed. And, and you could easily, you could easily be led to think, well, clearly this is yet another example of where the gospels don't line up and there's mistakes in them. There's errors because the, the writers clearly made this story up because there are different, there are different people saying different things. In fact, the same, it's the same topic of the Jesus Creed, but the rules are reversed and the people saying them are the opposite of what Mark says. The answer to that is that this is not the same event. This 
is a different event, event prior to the, the one in Mark. And this one takes place probably a year, maybe even two years before what we see in, in Mark. So this is actually a second occurrence of Jesus interacting with another expert in the law about the Jesus creed, specifically about the Torah and, and, and the law. And, and, and so the details are different, and it's different because this is a different encounter. It's not a retelling of Mark's, like, uh, Mark's ex- like what he shares as Jesus' experience. So, so for us, then, we look at this and say, all right, this is yet another instance where the Jesus creed pops up, and it's, and it's familiar to the Mark one, but in reverse. And then Jesus is going to add a story to it. So he has this encounter with a different teacher of the law, and then he adds a story. And it's one of the most famous, easily, one of the most famous stories or retelling or parable in the scriptures. In fact, it's something, it's so famous that, that non-Christians know this. In fact, like if you were just to watch the news, like you could watch the news later today or this week, there may be a story that comes up and they talk about this story. Like in the news cycle today, this story will kind of pop its head up. So here's what we've, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, here's what we've been kind of understanding about the Jesus Creed. Here it is, the first kind of thing that kind of summarizes this, uh, Jesus' understanding of this Jesus creed is that Jesus defines spiritual formation with the Jesus creed. How you grow in your faith, what does it mean to grow or to form spiritually? He says is, here it is, ready? It's the Jesus creed. Loving the Lord your God with all that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself. He says those are the things that summarize all of it and it is that important. So Luke tells us of this other encounter that Jesus has. And, 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 but this time, this time, Jesus is going to ask the question about the law. So if you remember in Mark, there's a guy, a lawyer, an expert of the law, a scribe, they would call him. Sometimes your translations will say scribe. This is an expert in the law, the moral law, the Torah. So this is a religious lawyer, not like a civil lawyer. Um, so he's an expert in the Jewish law, in the Torah. And, and he comes and says, all right, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he asks, it's a genuine ask. He really does want to know. There's some clues in the text that, that, that tell us he really is interested in what Jesus has to say. This experience now is earlier, a different expert in the law, and, and his motives are not as pure, n- not at all. They're not the same at all. And, and here's what we see. Jesus now is gonna be the one who asks the question about the law. So this guy shows up and he's trying to trap Jesus. We're gonna be told, he's trying to test him. He's trying to make Jesus, like, all right, Jesus, here's, a, uh, here's just a general question and let me just, uh, I'm just gonna ask you this. And, and I'm asking with, with an ulterior motive because I'm trying to test you. So here, here's what happens. He's gonna ask Jesus, he sets up this test and he doesn't know that Jesus is actually going to reverse the test back on him. This is great. This is so good. Jesus is so, like, he doesn't know this at this point. You and I know this. You don't ever test Jesus because it, it will not end well for you. But many people had to learn that as they questioned and tested Jesus. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up, here it is, to test Jesus. This isn't a, 
a, a genuine interest in what I, I'm, I really want to know what you have to say. This is a test. I'm trying to trap Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's asking, not in, again, this isn't a, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? That's, that can be a genuine question of the cry of someone's heart. I, I want to know, what do I have to do to be saved? We see that show up in the scriptures that people interact with Jesus. This guy is, is probably doing this, arms folded, and he's asking like, a, all right, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Tell me, Jesus. He's asking in a way that, that he, he's trying to, he, 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 know, he, has, he knows the answer and he wants to know, but I want to know, do you know the answer? So he sets this question up and he, and he does so in a way that, that, um, that, that, that is trying to catch Jesus in his words. So uh, this is, this is kind of the equivalent of like, like um, I'll do this. If you have kids, you probably have done this too where you ask a question, not because you, I genuinely don't know the answer and I want to know what you, little child, has to say. You're asking a question in which you know the answer and you're giving them an opportunity to fess up, right? So maybe something's happened, there's been a fight and maybe you even saw it. Like this is, my favorite is when I see it and then can you tell me what just transpired between you and your brother? I, I just, I want to know. Now, I know, but they don't know I know. It's, it's like, it's one of the few moments in parenting where you're like, this is why I got up this morning, <laughs> is, is to, to, to find out, to have a little bit of fun. Right? And, and so, so tell me what happened, right? Because, you know, I, I know how the story goes. You, you are innocent of all things, always, of, from, from birth. You've never done anything wrong. And your brother started it yet again yet again right and they'll tell you the story and i'm asking not because i hey tell me what happened i really don't know no i do know i want to see if you are going to admit to it right now this is that he has that kind of same posture with jesus all right jesus i'm trying to test you here i i know but i just want to see if you know so he asks this question and now jesus probably sees his body language probably spiritually just knows his heart knows what he's thinking knows what he's trying to do and instead of answering, he answers a question with a question and he turns it around. It's brilliant. He just gives a quick little flip. Here's what he says. Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? What is written in the law? He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes, okay, I see that. All right, well, you tell me this. What's written in the law? And when he says, how do you read it? He's not like, how do you actually, are you literate? He's saying, how do you understand it? Like, tell me, tell me your understanding of, the, of, the, of all of the Torah, right? As an expert in the law, how do you view or read the Torah? So, how do you, what, like, the, what does the law say? You tell me what you think about it. Jesus asked the question about the law, and this guy now is gonna respond. He answered now. Remember, he started this. He picked this fight, and now he's having to give a qu an answer to Jesus. He answered, love the Lord your God. See if this is familiar at all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He answers correctly with the Jesus creed. Maybe he's heard it before. Maybe Jesus has been preaching this a number of times, but he actually gets it right, and he summarizes the law with the Jesus creed. Like, well... Well done. Jesus then responds and commends him. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. He says it. He's like, you nailed it. 
good job. You, like, you got it right. Now, if the story stopped there, this would be a really short sermon. But this guy has to keep it going, right? He does what you or I probably do, and that's, ah, but I gotta get the last word in, right? I gotta just get my, ah, one more thing. So what we see is Jesus defines spiritual formation with the Jesus creed. This guy understood it, and he got it right. And now it's gonna switch to specifics. This is where, this is where the, the conversation takes a turn because now it's not about this general kind of love God and love others. That sounds wonderful. Now it gets to, all right, but, but how and how do I do it and who? Who do I, who, who qualifies as my neighbor? So here's what we're gonna see. Before you love your neighbor, you must know your neighbor. And I'm not talking about like your next door neighbor, although that they would certainly be included in this. But we're saying when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, if you're gonna love that person, you need to know who your neighbor is. And this guy, this guy, again, still trying to trap Jesus, brings up the same issue, the same question. He should have stopped while he was ahead, but he does what we do. His pride takes over, his desire to, to be right and to make sure that they know we're right. Like anytime you, you've been in an argument, you felt this, you, it, it, like, especially if it's, you're disagreeing and it comes up and you're like, you know you're right or at least you wanna prove you're right and, and this desire to not just want to be right but make sure that they know that you're right comes and this guy does it with Jesus. Oh, he should have stopped. He should have just ended it. Instead, he continues. His desire to be proven, proven right kicks in and he asks a follow-up question. Here's what it says. But this guy, he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to prove, hey, hold on, hold on. I, I wanna show you that I'm in the right here though. So he wanted to justify himself. So we asked Jesus, all right, again, probably arms folded. And who is my neighbor? Now listen, in the Greek here, there's a negative connotation to this and, and all commentators point this out and they make mention. He's not asking in a general like, all right, well, who's my neighbor? And, and you know, just, just, just answer me so I can go love them. Here's what he's saying. Who am I legally required to love and who can I deem as not my neighbor? He's trying to exclude people. He's trying to say, all right, and who's my neighbor? Make, okay, listen. I make this, I want you to be specific because he wants a very small circle of who are included as his neighbor. Who, who am I to love Jesus, but also who am I, who, who, I do, who do I have no obligation to? Tell me those people. So he says, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor again? Tell me, tell me again. Right, Because he's thinking in his mind, he's a good Jewish religious leader. He's thinking his neighbors are the Jews, good, devout, religious Jews who love the Torah and love the Lord. And, and like those are all his neighbors. And anything, anyone outside of that are beyond his, his expectation to love or care for. He wants Jesus to say that. He's waiting for Jesus to say, oh, well, your neighbor is those that you do life with or, or, or those who are part of Israel, the God's chosen people. No, no, no. That's not what happens. Instead of a genuine, tell me who my neighbor is, he says, who isn't my neighbor so I can avoid them? Now, here's what we're gonna see. He does what we do. We tend to limit the who. We tend to limit who our neighbors are. All right. 
Who's my neighbor? And this is what he's asking. And we'll do the same thing. All right, tell me who my neighbor is. And, and what we wanna do is say, well, people that are like this or that I'm, I'm close with, certainly are my neighbors, and those who are outside of that, yeah, they're, they're my neighbors too, but, but let's, it can't be everyone. So how do I, how do I clarify who my neighbors are. We tend to limit, this guy tended to limit his, who the, the, the who of, of the neighbors, and we do the same thing. Jesus, we see, he does this. He limits the who to anyone in need. Okay, that's a big who. That's a very large group. Anyone who's in need, anyone? Yeah. If they have need, that's your neighbor. But what about, no, no, no. If they're in need, that's your neighbor. He, here's what we're gonna see. He, he, he doesn't, um, he, he, he moves past racial boundaries. Like we're gonna, like this is, this story is very, very scandalous in there. Like when he, when he would be sharing this, they would have, they would have been ready to, ready to stone him. Like I, this can't be right. Like you, you'll, we'll see this at the end, the guy's response. But like, it's, they, Jesus, you can't possibly be saying that. So here's the story. The story is called, we call, the Good Samaritan. We've heard of the Good Samaritan. You know the story, maybe not all the details, but we all have at least heard of a Good Samaritan. You know, right? You watch the news and people can be called a Good Samaritan. And a Good Samaritan, you know, helps this person, you know, get on the bus. But it was the wrong bus or whatever. But it's the good, good Samaritan. He did what he could. And like the good Samaritan, right? And you can get a note. Like cities and towns will give people like, like you know, their citizens a good Samaritan reward because they did something really helpful for someone else. Like we have, like that 2,000 years later, we still have this, this kind of this terminology of, of being a good Samaritan. And it comes from this story that is a, an illustration of the Jesus Creed. Starts with the Jesus Creed. Now Jesus is going to tell the story and illustrate. Here's what it means to love your neighbor. So it's the it's it's the it's the story of this road. He starts with this this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. So uh, here's a video of what it looks like. Uh, this is the road. It's it, like it's not a road that you think of when you think of like oh our roads. Oh we're just going to take a quick little quick little hike. This this is an 18 mile uh, like road in distance. And Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet above sea level. And the, the decline on this road goes to Jericho. Jericho is minus 800 below sea level. So it's, it's about a 3,300 foot decline, or if you're going the other way, an incline, which is over a half a mile, like um, just like decline and incline. So, um, so, and you could go to, you could go to Jerusalem and, and, and walk. You saw people doing that. Like you could walk this road today. It's, uh, it's full of cliffs and you probably saw like there's plenty of places to hide out. This is a picture I took of the road. Like there's caves everywhere and people can hide in these and they do. And this road was called the road of blood because so many people were robbed and even killed on this road because it was treacherous and, and robbers would hide out. So Jesus tells this story of, of, uh, of, of this, this good Samaritan on the road to Jericho. Here's what it says. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, down literally because he's going down. Um, by the way, if, if you ever decide to take this trail, this 18 mile thing, start in Jerusalem, right? 
I trust me on this, okay, right? And if you're riding a bike, even better, right? Just like, just go. So he's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. So far, this is a common occurrence. They would say, okay, yep, that happens all the time. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him for half dead. Not a great thing, but Jesus, we know, that's like not a safe road to travel. He shouldn't be going alone. You always travel in groups. Like, this is, that's not good. He continues. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So a priest... This is now a guy who works in the temple, works in Jerusalem. He's, the, he's the, you know, the pastor, so to speak, of the day. He sees this guy, and what we're told, and even, even in the Greek, is that he went as far to the other side as possible. So it isn't just like, a, oh, excuse me, sorry, sir. It's like, oh, oh, I have to pass him. All right, I'm gonna get as far away from this guy as possible because if I touch him or get near him, I could be defiled. Especially if he's dead, there are there, in, in the Torah you can't a priest can't touch a dead body or they become unclean and defiled. So he's looking at this, going, "I'm a I'm a good follower of Torah. I'm going to avoid him and just walk on the other side." So this priest sees him, passes on the other side. Verse thirty-two. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. A Levite now is another uh, a guy specific of the tribe of Levi. And, and he was probably, um, uh, commentators will say he's probably more like a, an assistant priest or a priest in training. So he's kind of like the number two guy. So, so he's, but he's still a religious guy. He's training for the priesthood. He's in the, of the right tribe of Levi. So, so we see a priest avoid him. And then this Levite, he came and saw him and passed by on the other side, same thing. And then Jesus does this. And this is the punch. This is, this is the thing that the who in this is the most important detail of the entire story. If you take this out, it loses its punch. And then he says this, verse 33, but a Samaritan. Now, if you've studied, you know, uh, first century Judaism or, or even just, you know, ancient Jude, you you know there is a very big, a very big divide between Jews and Samaritans, and they do not like each other. Jews considered Samaritans worse than dogs. And that if you ate with a Samaritan, it's like eating with dogs and pigs, the worst of the worst. It makes you unclean. They, they, these are, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were, they were once Jews who then, who then intermarried with other, with other civilizations and, and their religion changed and they left, the, left Yahweh. And so now they're, these, they're this like group that, that like they betrayed our people. Like they, they, these are the worst of the worst. And Jesus says, all right, a priest goes by and he, he doesn't help the guy. A Levite goes by, he doesn't help the guy. But a Samaritan, as soon as they hear this, they would feel this inner, no, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't you dare make a Samaritan the hero of this story. Now for us, we hear that and we're like, oh, Samaritan, all right. Here's the equivalent, ready? For in today's context, here's what, here's what it feels like. This isn't a one-to-one -one ratio, but the feeling you're gonna get is the same feeling that they would have had. Here it is, ready? So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a member of ISIS. Whoa, wait, what did you just do, Jesus? That's, 
that's the hero of the story. That feeling that you got, where you're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. That can't possibly be the hero of the story. That's their feeling. But a, a Samaritan, a Samaritan shows up. We tend to limit the who. They certainly did. Hey, I'll help people. I'll help people in need. But not those people. Certainly not the people. Listen, they could help themselves, but they choose not to. They could easily, they could easily change their life around, but they don't. And so why should I be, why should I be on the hook for helping them? Wow, we sound just like this priest and this Levi. And, and, and a Samaritan shows up. Jesus now redefining who your neighbor is to be so much more than just simply the people around you. Now he's crossing ethnic and racial and, and, and social and religious back, uh, like divides. And he's going, hey, it doesn't matter. Ready? The answer is anyone in need. Now the story continues. Not only do we tend to limit the who, we tend to limit the when. All right, fine. I can get on board with we're being called to help anyone in need. But there's a time and a place. There's a time and a place for everything. And, and just like they would, we would do the same thing. And, and I, all right, I want to limit like my time, right? Time, time is money. Time is precious. It's the one resource like I can't get more of. So I want to be wise about my time. And you and I do this. We do this, whether you think about it or say it or not. Here's how, here's like how I think. All right. I'm gonna spend time, I get asked to do something or do this or be part of this. All right, what's my, what's my ROI here? What's my return on investment? I'm gonna spend some time doing this. What am I gonna get out of this or what is gonna be the benefit of this and is that worth it? And, and we do that and we, because we only have so much time and it's not a bad thing to think about like I wanna invest my time in the things that really matter. And, and so like they would be like hearing this and going, all right, fine, Jesus, but like, how much time is this? What's the ROI here for this guy half dead on the side of the road? Jesus limits the when, here it is, ready? To whenever someone in need crosses your path. Yeah, but, but what, if, what if it's not a good time for me? Whenever someone in need crosses your path. Okay, but, but what if I'm busy? <laughs> but what if I have something to do? like this priest or this Levite or even the Samaritan who's clearly on a road going somewhere. Here's what we see. We hate being inconvenienced. And, and so look at how inconvenienced the Samaritan is as we continue the story. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, a low, like terrible kind of person, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Oil and wine was put in their version of medicine, oil for healing and wine for like an like a antiseptic to kill any like wound stuff. So, so this guy looks at him and is like, I got oil, I got wine, I'm gonna tend to his wounds and I'm gonna bandage him up. Now, that is enough. That would be like, hey, I did a good deed today. You know what? They're gonna remember me, the good Samaritan. I bandaged a guy's wounds. He, he clearly didn't stop there. Then he put the man on his own donkey, meaning he probably now has to walk the rest of the way, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he, he tends to his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, which is out of the way. He doesn't need to go, like he's on, he's on his trail. He's got a place to be. And, he's, and he puts him up there. 
This is not a quick handout. This is not a, hey man, um, what, I, I see things are rough for you. I, you've, you've had better days. All right, let me give you, let me give you some Band-Aids. I'll even give you a few bucks and you know, I'll, I'll help you know, tend to your wounds and then you can kind of be on your way. He doesn't do that at all. I'm gonna take care of you, man. I don't even know you. I shouldn't even be associating with you and you, you probably hate me. I'm a Samaritan. I, I'm gonna take care of you. The when is whenever someone in need crosses your path, regardless of their social economic status, regardless of what they can do for you or what your return on investment is, he just says, no, no, no. You, you reach out and help anyone in need. And then we tend to do this. We tend to limit the how much. We tend to limit the who. We tend to limit the when. All right, who's my neighbor? All right, when am I supposed to do this? Okay, fine. How much is this gonna cost me? Again, what's my return on investment? All right, I only have so many resources. And so I, I, can't, I can't meet every single person's need and fix everything wrong in the world. That's not even possible. So, so what is realistically, what am I expected to contribute financially? We tend to limit the cost. Jesus limits the cost to this, ready? He limits the how much to whatever sacrificial means. The cost, ready, is it's gonna hurt a little. But, but no, no, no. It's gonna cost you to sacrifice some, someone. Like this, this is much more than just simply move on my way. This is going to cost you. Verse 35, it says this, the next day, the next day, this guy stayed the night with him at the inn. This Samaritan put him up in a place and then said, hey, I'm gonna stay with you and take care of you. Overnight, whatever his plans were are now out the window and he stays with him overnight. The next day, he took out two denarii. A denarii was, was considered a day's wage. So you work for a day, six to eight hours, and, and that is what, look, your take home is a denarii. So equivalent today is like, well, I don't know what minimum wage is, like what, $55, 60 to what is minimum wage? It, it goes up every week, I think, right? It's like, like $15 used to be unheard of. The $15 minimum wage, that's crazy. Now, I don't think, like $15 is kind of like, okay, you know, that's really low. Can you, can you bump me up? Can you get, like, so like 18 to 20 seems to be the thing. So, so you work, you know, you work a day, eight hours at $20 an hour. Um, that's, uh, what is that? $160, right? Quick math. Yeah, that's, that's good. A day. He gives them two days wages. This is, this is potentially $300. This isn't just like, oh, here's a few coins. Here's $300. I already paid for him to stay here. I already took care of his wounds and, and like out of all my resources. And now he says, I'm gonna get, he says, the next day he took out about $300 and gave them to the innkeeper. And this is what he says, look after him. And when I return, look at this, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Hey, I'm gonna give you 300 bucks. Can you take care of this guy? Make sure all his needs are met. I, I, I don't want him just le left out on the street. And then I have to go because I have a thing I gotta get to, but I'm gonna come back. I, I promise I'll come back, right? I gave you money, I'm good for it. I'm gonna come back and then whatever expenses he has, I'll cover those as well. This innkeeper's going, this is my best day, right? I'm like, this guy's giving me money. He doesn't wanna stay here, right? Like, oh, you know, you, you know no, no rush. Stay for a few weeks, no big deal. We'll take care of him, right? 
And you know, you come back and the bill, he's like, oh yeah, he drank every drink in the mini bar. Like uh, that's, we know how expensive that can be. And like, I'll take care of any expenses. This guy, this guy goes over and above to the tune of hundreds of dollars, maybe a thousand dollars potentially. The cost certainly was a, a financial sacrifice for him. What is the cost to loving my neighbor? Jesus says, I, I, not, how much do you got? How much do I got? Yeah, how much do you got? And then we see this. Jesus ends. That's the end of the story. We don't know the end. We don't know what happens to the guy. It just ends, right? Because the point isn't about the guy. The point is this Samaritan, this terrible, the, the enemy, like the Jewish enemy is the hero of the story. This is, is blasphemy. Jesus ends by asking this question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? Which of these men, these three, the priest or the Levite or this Samaritan, which one of them was the neighbor to this person? And now look at this. This expert in the law, he can't even say the word. Again, every commentator will, will point this out. He can't even say, this guy. He can't even say Samaritan. Here's his response, ready? the one who had mercy on him. Why'd you say it like that? Well, you know. That was a lot of syllables. You could have said that, just one word. Samaritan. S say with me, Sub. I'm not saying it, Jesus. He, was, they, he had such a disdain for Samaritans that he says, it's, it's not a, the Samaritan wasn't the guy. It was the, the one who had mercy on him, who happened to be a, um, I don't want to say it. And then we see this. Jesus told him, ready? Go and do likewise. This guy that you can't even say, you can't even say who he is, I want you to go be like him. What? I am a good religious Jew. I am a teacher of the law. I am an expert in my field. I am like the top of the game. And you're telling me I'm supposed to go be like this Samaritan? That's crazy, Jesus. That doesn't make any sense sense. And Jesus says, listen, you want to know who your neighbor is? You can learn from this Samaritan, this guy that you hate. Here's the deal. If you obey the Jesus creed, last week he said, expect life to get messy. If you obey the Jesus creed, expect life to get messy. This week, if you obey the Jesus creed, expect to make sacrifices for others. Sacrifices to your reputation, sacrifices to your time, sacrifices to literally financially your money. That if you are serious about living out the Jesus Creed, it may mean helping people that you don't normally ever want to associate with or helping spend time way more than you would want to and like it's super inconvenient. All right, so be it. And, and I'm going to like financially, all right, I, I can help cover it. Man, Jesus, you're asking a lot of me. Yes. If you obey the Jesus Creed, expect to make sacrifices for others. Now, here's the interesting thing in this whole story. And I, I remember 
you know, I became a Christian. I, 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 wasn't, I didn't grow up a Christian, so this was all new to me. Even though I knew the term Good Samaritan, I didn't know the story. And I remember reading this and studying it and, and having questions. I didn't know, you know what commentaries or resources. I didn't know you can go and like, like look up other, well, you know, like what other experts have said. I was just trying to figure this out. And here's the deal. Here's what I recognized early on that, that is still true to this day. Jesus never answered the guy's question. He never answered who is my neighbor? Jesus flips it. It's so subtle. Guys, it's so subtle, but it's so important. He, all right, all right, Jesus, who's my neighbor? All right, let me tell you, let me tell you a story. Guys, story time. And everyone's probably like, oh, I love his stories. Right, this guy's gonna get it. <laughs> and he tells this story, and the conclusion is this. The conclusion is not, hey, the guy on the, on the, on the ground, he's your neighbor. The Samaritan, he's your neighbor. That's not the conclusion. The question Jesus asks is, which one of these was the neighbor? He doesn't care. Like, Jesus isn't answering the question, who's my neighbor? All right, who do I have to love? He's like, that's the wrong question. Here's the right question. How can I be a good neighbor? Well, that's different. He answers the question of who's my neighbor with, no, 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 don't think who's your neighbor. Think, how can you be a neighbor? How can you focus on making sure that you are loving your neighbors or yourself? You be the neighbor everyone else wants to be like. That is your role. And that's what this Samaritan did. Over the religious leader, this Samaritan. And so when Jesus ends and says, you go do likewise, this probably, this guy's fuming. I would never be like a Samaritan. Jesus, all right, well then, then you don't understand the Jesus creed. You don't understand what it means to love God and truly love your neighbor as yourself. This means sacrifice. So here's the deal. Uh, Each week we give you some homework. The homework is the same. Ready? Here it is. Memorize the Jesus Creed. We're getting good at it, the first part. We're getting really good at it. So we're gonna memorize the Jesus Creed, right? And then again, the goal is, I hope you're doing this, I'm just gonna remind you again to recite this twice a day just like they did the Shema in the morning and the evening. Set, up, set up a reminder in your phone if you need to because you're like, oh, I'm not gonna remember. All right, great. Your alarm goes off and then, you know, maybe five minutes later you set this reminder or whatever. And, and to remind yourself to recite this, not just to be like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll check the box, I'll recite. But instead to say, no, no, I, I'm going to remind myself of this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna recite it and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna memorize it and say it in the morning and remind myself today I'm gonna love God and I'm gonna love others as myself. So, memorize the Jesus Creed, recite it twice a day, and then I'm, here's your third homework this week. Ready? Your, her, your homework this week is to be on the lookout for someone that you could be a good neighbor to. Whatever that means, whatever the context, whatever the situation, whatever the time requirement, whatever the, the financial cost it might be for you to be thinking, all right, Lord, put into my, this week, put into my path a person and make it obvious and clear. All right, I think, Lord, I think you want me to be a good neighbor to this person. Whatever that be, maybe it's someone you knew, maybe it's a complete stranger. All right. If you take seriously and you really want to obey the Jesus Creed, it means making sacrifices for others. So listen, there's no better way to do this than to say, all right, this week, Lord, test me in a good way. Test me in a good way by putting someone in my path and, and, and I'm, I'm gonna be rem- remembering and thinking about living out the Jesus Creed this week. I wanna do just that. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray for us.
and we're going to worship the Lord together and, and, uh, and I, I think, I hope, commit to this challenge of, all right, this week, put someone in my path that I can be a good neighbor to. Would you bow with me? So Lord, we thank you for your word, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. And, and even when we come with you know, questions or tests or arms folded, questioning why or how can, Lord, remind us, remind us of this Jesus creed that you're calling us to love, love you with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourself. I'm praying, Lord, for every one of us, every one of us in here that we, that this week, this week, Lord, I'm, I'm even asking whether we want it or not, whether we like it or not, put it, like, put it in our face that this week, you're going to provide an opportunity for us to go out of our way to be a good neighbor to someone else, to be a good Samaritan. Not for credit, not to say like, oh, how great we are, but instead to share just how much you have changed us, to share Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We worship you. And we pray that this week we would have an encounter, an ability to love our neighbor as ourselves, and in doing so, live out this Jesus creed. We thank you, Lord, and we worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name.